You're listening to the Racking Roundtable podcast, episode number 59. I'm your host, David Oria, and I'm here with my co-host. Chris Agana, and our guest today is Christine Hernandez. Uh, Christine is a preschool special education teacher, uh, and she actually tells us exactly why she loves being a teacher. She also shares the challenges that she faced pre-COVID, during COVID, and now kind of the endemic and trying to get back <laughs> in the classroom, which is so complex. Um, she also talks about or gives advice for those who maybe want to be a teacher and what kind of characteristics and skills you might have, like obviously loving children. <laughs> but I mean, she just provides so much information, really, really good information. And you can tell how passionate it is she is for her kids and for just teaching in general. What do you think, David? Dude, it's totally, totally. Despite like all the like the challenges that you mentioned, man, like the mm. passion, you could just you could just hear it and yeah. hope you guys enjoy this one. So that that learning process um, and then helping others to teach others, I guess, in a sense, too, because like it's been really neat to not just like being in this now 10 years. I haven't just had like three, four and five year olds as students. I've had like college kids come into my classroom now and observe me and teach and show them my way of teaching um, and help them kind of perfect their class so that when they go into their classroom they kind of develop a sense of their own style you're listening to the raccoon round table podcast here's where we all come together share our stories about our struggles mindset and goals so that we all can get to the places we want to go we appreciate you being here and we hope you enjoy the episode honestly this is just super happy to to have you here on this platform especially like during a time right now, you know, like, I, I mean, for, for those of you listening, maybe like in the future, we're currently at the end of summer of um, 2022. And um, I think having our guest today is like, just, it's just so timely, so timely, honestly, just because um, we're gearing back for back to school. And I think that's probably one of the biggest, uh, biggest things, or at least everybody is right now thinking about um, even to kind of trickle down into even, you know, my profession, preparing people, preparing kids for that. So having you here on the podcast is awesome. Um, if you could help us kind of just like set the table, um, just introduce yourself uh, to our audience and then give us a little background about like, you know, what you do, um, where you're at and um, yeah, kind of how life is right now for you in this kind of stage in the season um, of 2022. Yeah, for sure. Um, hi, I am Christine Hernandez. I am a preschool special education teacher in Skokie, Illinois, which is not too far from Chicago. Um, I am entering my 10th year of teaching, which is wild to me. I still consider myself a newbie, but apparently I am way past that phase and can no longer use that excuse. Um, <laughs> um, I have a bachelor's of a bachelor's of science in early childhood education along with a master's in a master's in special education um let's see where do i begin i guess i would I, say could you begin with um like is this one thing you always wanted to do or did you always want to be a teacher oh, i i'm gonna say yes i i knew i always wanted to do something with kids even as a kid like i remember my grandmother babysitting kids and i would just be right in there with her um wanting to help out and then one day like I um I remember my third grade teacher telling my mom she told she you have a very chatty daughter it's like she wants (laughs) to take over the classroom (laughs) and I was very fortunate enough um when I started teaching to be able to go back to my my elementary school and tell that teacher like 
well, I've become a teacher. Oh, that's what's <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> I shared that comment with her, and she, she just thought it was so funny that, you know, things have come full circle in that time, so. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I, what's crazy, though, like, so kind of back to, to add context to the story, right? So um, Christine and I go go way back, right? And, like, we actually went to the same um, middle school and elementary school and middle school and went to the same high school and so my homeroom actually in high school was connected or the the teacher that ran our oh homeroom, yeah she ran like the um like the early childhood or like the preschool kind of thing in, at our high school and like every day at homeroom I would see Christine there and like so when you say it's just kind of like been inside you like mm. even from an early age like that definitely translates yeah. through like your whole story at least since I've known you you know what I mean yeah, I, I would definitely say it's always just been within me to work with kids. I, I kind of told myself like, okay, if teaching doesn't pan out, I want to do like pediatric nursing or something with kids. Um, and it just so happened that like teaching did work out um, and I was able to do it. So, and I am doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, you, you described that um, you grew up enjoying like spending time with kids. I mean, what other characteristics would you say if, would somebody have, if they're thinking about what career to pursue? I mean, okay, I guess you, you should like kids if you're planning to become a teacher, but what other characteristics do you say are skills yeah. that people should have? Skills, I'm sorry, it froze for a little bit. So I'm gonna, I just want to reiterate the question that I make sure that I heard it correctly. What uh-huh. skills should people possess in order, like if they're considering a career in teaching? Yeah, or uh, and other characteristics. Like, I know that you should probably like kids. But, like, what what else would you say? I mean, would you say that you signed yourself, that you knew that instead of, like, pediatrician or any other route, was teaching was, was yeah. right for you? I think for myself, um, personally, I enjoy the learning process. Um, and I always think back, like, someone once told me, like, the best way to know if someone has learned something is if they can teach someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I always think back to that. Um, whenever I'm teaching my kids. And so I think back like, okay, if I taught them a lesson on the letter A, can they now tell their parent about it and things about it? Um, like that, it starts at the top and then they go lying down and things like that. It, you know, it makes an ass sound or it has two sounds. Um, so if, and when I think about that, I just think, okay, if they can do that, then I, you know, that was something that I just kind of loved. So that that learning process um, and then helping others to teach others, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense, too, because like it's been really neat to not just like being in this now 10 years. I haven't just had like three, four and five year old students. I've had like college kids come into my classroom now and observe me and teach and show them my way of teaching um, and help them kind of perfect their class so that when they go into their classroom they kind of develop a sense of their own style so I would say definitely that learning process was one of the things that I know about myself um I think if others are looking within themselves it's probably patience patience I I get that a lot um when especially when people find out like I'm a special education teacher they go oh you must you must be really patient I go I mean I think I am (laughs) and that's the best way I know how to answer that is like I think I am um but I I think I truly do believe like I'm I'm very patient in all aspects where um things don't if people are quick to jump to 
um, an emotion, I kind of take a step back and I'm just like, okay, well, how can we let this play out before reacting for myself? And so I think, you know, that's probably one of the things that I look into as well as the patients that is needed to just teach and then reteach and kind of, if you have to go back to that lesson multiple times, but also um, in order to like reteach that, like being able to say like, okay, what's not working, you know? So I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that, that definitely, that definitely does make sense. And, and I think, yeah, when I, when I think back to like the teachers that that have like really resonated in my like education. Um, they all kind of embody a lot of, a lot of those characteristics. So I think, yeah, you definitely hit it on the head. Well, I think one thing to specifically to you that kind of makes your like journey a little bit more special is like you kind of mentioned it that, you know, you have this um, like focus in special education. Right. So I kind of wanted to like, you know, dig into that a little bit, you know, like what, what made you want to pursue that? Cause that's a very like, niche area of education I think it's also a very needed area of education Mm -hmm. and uh what made you what drew you to that or or maybe maybe um something something pulled you there into that specific um like subspecialty of education but like why what what made you decide to pursue that route yeah I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you I fell into it Mm -hmm. it was like when I went into teaching initially I didn't think special education is where I wanted to go. So my initial certification is to do um, children ages from daycare, so zero months to third grade. Mm. Um, And so when I did my student teaching, I just so have, the only requirement that I had was that I had to do six weeks in a preschool program and six weeks in a primary. So that means like kindergarten, first, second grade. Um, it just so happened that the classroom that I did do it in uh, for the preschool setting was a special education class. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then I thought, okay, when this is over, I don't know if I see myself doing special education. Um, I enjoyed my time there. I learned so much. But even as I was leaving those six weeks and going into my second grade experience, and then even after that, I didn't think I'm going to do special ed. You know, it's... Mm-hmm land a job in a regular in a general education preschool classroom um and then as I kind of went through the process of like interviewing or applying um I realized I am certified to teach special education preschool um and so I took a shot and applied for the position that I'm currently in and they took a chance on me um yeah it's a really crazy story because I work in the school that I did my student teaching in. Um, mm. And I think that's like probably the greatest blessing. I'm going off on the tangent here. <laughs> um, but it's, it's every teacher's dream to be able to get hired at the school that you do your teaching at or your student teaching at, oh. right? Because you, you learn those policies, procedures, you get comfortable with the demographics mm. of the student body and even of the staff. And you just find your place. And you feel comfortable. And so sometimes when you have to go outside of that and start completely new, it feels, it can be more intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like, it's really great when it's, when a student teacher can get a job at the place that they were students teaching in. I think it's just, it's every time I have mentioned that everyone always just says, Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Um, and so I think it's been a really big blessing to be able to say that, 
I students out there and they hired me because they liked what I did and you know they, they liked who I was as a teacher yeah yeah and I know that um, one thing before we started recording you brought up was um, like some of the challenges that you face as a teacher. And then there's, now there's a whole layer of challenges throughout the pandemic and now going back to in the classroom. I guess, could you start okay. off? I mean, there's there's going to be three different phases I'm going to ask these questions for. Is like, so the challenges before, because you've been doing this for 10 years. So the challenges before the pandemic, yeah. um, the ones okay. that how it translated into like during the pandemic, I was guessing you were doing virtual. And now that uh you gotta like try to teach again back in the classroom like so how did that all go down I guess (laughs) yeah so I think (laughs) to start with that first like phase of like challenges pre-pandemic I want to say that it um for me personally it's the emphasis on high quality early childhood education I think a lot of people think that what I do is babysitting Mm. um but it's not Yes, I only have students for two and a half hours a day, but in those two and a half hours, I have to fit in literacy, math, social studies, social emotional, art, gross motor, music. So all of your content areas that you get as a kid, um, I'm trying to squeeze in into those two and a half hours, all the while providing you with a fun experience so that you think schooling is fun and that foundation is laid out where you're excited to go to school. Um, I think that probably my greatest that was my greatest challenge and it still continues to be um the biggest challenge because I will still have colleagues that say like oh yeah she's kind of like babysitting and I'm like no it's really not and they find out what we do when I um when they hear about like a cool program or something neat that we did and they're like oh I had no idea that's what you guys do and I'm like well yeah it's (laughs) just like school for us you know (laughs) So I would say like that's an ongoing discussion that I am more than happy to like show people that preschool is not just it's not daycare Um, and daycare is a whole different ballgame like not to not to discredit them because I think what they do is so important Um, and they have kids from a lot longer than I do Um, they have from 6 a.m sometimes to 5 p.m so (laughs) you know they have their own struggles as well but when I think about my program and being in a school setting it is completely different from um from that um so I would say that's probably been my biggest challenge is shifting that mindset for people um that and that's that was (laughs) pre-pandemic but I think also like that was one of them. <laughs> the <laughs> other challenge, I think for me, is just like, there's so many wide ranges of abilities and disabilities. And so being a new teacher, and again, like, right, I said, like, I kind of fell into SPED. Um, I didn't really know much about, like, the different disabilities that I would come across. Mm-hmm. I knew, like, what would be best practice for them. But in terms of, like, the knowledge of really understanding it and how to address these things. Um, And so that was probably the most challenging part was making sure that I was meeting their needs. Um, And that was probably scary. I think that was probably very stressful for me because I wasn't sure Mm. if I was doing the right thing or not. Um, And I could only tell based on the progress that they made. And so it was then actually, and then to go back to like, that question of how did I fall into this um after about five years of 
teaching pre-K SPED. I actually went back to school for my master's and got the whole um, endorsement for being able to teach special education from pre-K to the age of 21. Oh, wow. um, nice. And so that's how, yeah, so that's how I kind of fell into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, I think those were the two challenges that I faced pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic was, <laughs> was a different time. I mean, we're like talking way different here. <laughs> I say, I, gosh, I, I lost so much sleep that year. <laughs> oh, man. Last, I think I, I, I really did. Um, or I would wake up like at one o'clock in the morning with anxiety, um, with like wow. a, an anxiety attack um, of just like, mm you know, just like the the health concerns of these kids. Um, Hmm. And we're talking like the 2020, 2021 school year. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 21, 22 school year, right? Because we kind of at the when everything hit, it was March of 2020. So we were Mm -hmm. all um, remote. And then August, we decided we were going to go back in person. And I, as soon as I got the call for that, I, I think I cried. I cried for a good hour, um, just with the anxiety of having to, I, and knowing like how serious it was at the time mm-hmm. and how little we knew about it um, was very nerve wracking for me. Yeah. I didn't think that I would be able, knowing what I knew about three, four and five year olds, and especially the special education population of kids and how they don't quite understand to keep your hands to yourself, to stay mm-hmm. six feet away. That became a really big um, burden for me, mm-hmm. or like not burden, but something that weighed heavily on me. Um, how am I going to keep everyone healthy was mm-hmm. my main concern. Um, all the while making sure they were making their academic progress and mm-hmm. functional progress that they needed to. Um, in order to just continue to grow. Um, so I would say that was probably the most difficult was that that was a constant reminder of like, or a constant thing that was in the back of my head. How can I keep these kids six feet apart? And it's mm-hmm. and basically everything that I've taught the kids from 20, from that school year before I had to undo mm-hmm. um, because of COVID protocols in that sense. And so wow. it, I think a lot, I, I want to say I felt like being a new teacher again because yeah, it was just the unknown. Wow. It was the unknown. A lot of teachers yeah. felt like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know how to do this because it was so different from what we, were, we had grown accustomed to and being able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our school, was amazing at listening to teacher needs and family needs and things like that. And so they really worked with us to try and develop a schedule where it was, okay, we're going to be in person these days and remote on this day. Um, And you can do small groups here and there um, and spread out. And, but it was a lot, it was a lot to do and it was a lot to plan. Um, It was just exhausting we tried to have, and we did class outside for like until October, November where we oh, were wow. like in jackets because wow. we were just so concerned about just yeah. the spread of it all. Um, yeah. and that was, that was tough. That was tough. Um, and I think that still continues to be a concern of mine is how do I keep everyone healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, like now that 
we know a little bit more about it, um, about COVID and just, you know, now parents kind of understand the risk of like, if you're sending your child to school, you're kind of taking, you know, the risk of what could happen and what they could potentially bring home. I, of course, don't want to throw everything out the window and say like, oh, well, we're going to forget all the protocols and just function like a normal classroom. Um, I still try to keep as much as we can. Like, well, we walk in, we sanitize the day. So just trying to keep things clean and and keep everyone healthy. Um, I think I, I will say like our health protocol has probably increased in that sense. Like mm-hmm. if you have any kind of symptom, we're just going to ask you to stay home. Whereas before I always used to say like, if it's a cough or they're sneezing and you think they can't do the two and a half hours, keep them home. But if you think they can, then send them. But because everyone handles a cold differently, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, I could probably go to work with a cold, but now if I do, it's like, well, no, I don't want to risk exposing anyone to that. So, we we kind of had to change change our stance in that sense. So. But I'm That's, hoping. Wow. I'm hoping things get better. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, David? No, go ahead, man. I was going to say. I mean, like, I, I love how you said it. It was like you're starting over as a teacher. It's like your first year being a teacher. That's like a perfect example because there's so many new rules to this and how, and like, yeah. you, you kind of know that the foundation, but it's like, you have to address it so differently. And then like maybe half the classes there, maybe they're not, maybe you have to go online and right. so much adjustment for the kids at this young of an age, man. And it was, yeah. what's crazy is like, you may feel like, okay, this is my, like, it feels like my first year being a teacher again, all these fears, but in front of these kids, I have to keep it together because they can't know that I'm worried or that I'm not sure, or they might freak out. I don't know. You know, they're so young, but <laughs> we, you have to keep it together. That's why it's like such yeah. a crazy balancing act. And I have so much respect for what you and all the teachers have done throughout these. I mean, of course, before the pandemic, but even more so throughout the pandemic and trying to bring it back. I mean, there's, I can't imagine like even dealing with some like the parents, you know what I mean? I don't know what their opinions are on certain, yeah. certain things, you know? So it's, I mean, that's, that's the only comment I, I wanted to make out of that. How about you, David? <laughs> no, that I, dude, I, I was literally thinking the same thing. I was just like, how do you, like, that's a balance in itself. Like uh, you were balancing things already pre, mm-hmm. pre everything closing down. And then you're, I don't know. It's just like carrying so many different things so differently, I think was, yeah. was, was huge, right? Like you were already doing these things, but like now do having to do it so differently was, was such a challenge. But I think, I don't know, like your, your approach to educating people about like what you do and in behind the scenes and, and you know, in, or behind the curtain in front of the curtain. Right. And that's something that you, like you and I have also like kind of talked about in the past as well. And I think just mm-hmm. your approach to helping people understand what it is that you do right because Mm. sometimes there's just that not there's that um misunderstanding or lack of understanding and i think also the the curtain of of um the pandemic made that even worse you know Mm. so i think talking about like what does that actually even look like and so i mean this is something that i've always asked uh like just personally about teachers in general but i think specifically now like Mm. what is the preparations like leading into school for this academic year what does that look like for you right and like how are you preparing for that and 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 also I guess an an added layer to that question is how do you how are you preparing like yourself mentally balance wise how like how how would you address that yeah it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I think yesterday I ran into a student outside the school building they came to drop off some forms 
Um, and he was so surprised to see us there. And he was like, wait a second, teachers have to work during the summer? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> so he was really surprised to see us that, and to know that we were all, all the teachers were in the building. Um, I want to say like, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Like, so I think the common misconception of like people think teachers have summers off is so, so just out, just out wrong you know it's just mm, yeah. blatantly wrong um I for myself personally I don't take this I didn't take the summer off like I taught summer school with my students until mid-July and so I had three weeks to recharge but all the while during those three weeks where everyone told me disconnect from work don't answer any work <laughs> emails I was answering work <laughs> or I was yeah. connecting with parents. But I think like in my situation, it's so different, um, especially now because these are kids who were born during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's if, you, true. if you think about it, right. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, these are kids who were born wow. during the pandemic and they don't know. Yeah. They haven't known anything outside yeah, the four walls wild. of their home. And so our job is to make this as enjoyable for them as mm-hmm. it is for parents, right? Because no parent wants to know their kid cried for two and a half hours um, and said, I want mommy. When's mommy coming home? It, that's heartbreaking for them. It's heartbreaking for me. Um, and so over the summer, I've had play dates with my students where. Oh, wow to kind of just help them get to know me mm-hmm. to see our classroom environment um wow, so <laughs> it's like so right That's you crazy. ask the question of like what did I do to prepare for this school year yeah. well that preparation started in June yeah mm-hmm. yeah I I had my first play date with my students in June to kind of say like hey this is going to be your teacher in a few months it's so nice to meet you this is our classroom these are our toys come play um and then and then all of the families you know they all get their letters of like welcome to school here's your teacher things like that and then all the questions start flooding in from parents um and so it never really ended like preparation wise or like I guess there was really no end (laughs) of the year to like beginning of the year type thing because it all just kind of flowed into one um but I don't I personally didn't mind the fact that like I had to start preparing for this school year in June because I know and I've seen how these types of things like these we call them transition days um how beneficial the transition days Mm. can really be um it just makes it able for us to hit the ground running on day one without anyone crying without anyone being upset everyone's just so excited to come to school and get to be there for two and a half hours then versus the one hour um and then they have to leave so yeah to answer that question for preparation started in june <laughs> wow. but i think like that was so that was like yeah the physical preparation right yeah. um getting all of that stuff ready and also getting the classroom ready um that for me started in august early august um, I was able to go in and kind of just move furniture around um, and kind of make it so that my assistant could enjoy her summer and that they they didn't have a lot of work to do when they came in. 
um, just because I value everyone's time. And I don't mind taking on that, not burden, or but that task um, because I enjoy, I, I just, I enjoy what I do, you know? Like, yeah. it's just when I'm in there, I get a sense of, it's, it's a sense of like, this is where I belong. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just happy in there. So sometimes like those are the times where I'm like, okay, I do this. I don't mind that I had to work all summer long. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. I love hearing that kind of passion for, for what yeah. someone does for a living. I mean, for you to have these play dates and just start early back in June so that these kids have a better transition and they just were comfortable with you. I mean, that's, that's amazing to hear. And for those who are listening, who are thinking about teaching, like, could you see yourself doing that? And I really hope that you would, if you do decide to pursue to become a teacher, because I mean, this man, this takes work, you know what I mean? But it also takes some passion and some love in what you do. Um, but I mean, I also want to kind of talk about like you, you, you do all this preparation, you know, when you meet these kids, you get your classroom ready. But I mean, if you were to ask parents, like as they could, how they could help their teachers for their kids, mm. you know, as this new school year is starting, uh-huh. people are, some of these kids have lived longer in this pandemic or were born in the pandemic more than not in the pandemic. So like, how can they help yeah. you guys and partner with you guys and prepare their kids so that they can be just, you know, like good partners in this whole, in this whole process. Yeah. And I love how you said partners. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw that out there because that's what we are. We're partners in this, right? I, and that's something we reiterate or we like repeat from day one is that we are a team. Mm-hmm. We're a team in this. Um, and so some of the things that I start to do is I'll like, sometimes it's just a follow through of like when I send an email and say like, Hey, um, how is so-and-so doing? And I, I think that, I think it starts with me though, in terms of developing that relationship for them to do that follow through. Mm-hmm. So once we see that, like I'm invested and I'm truly, um, it's a genuine curiosity of like, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? That reply back alone tells me that there's follow through going on at home. And mm-hmm. so once that connection is established, I am able to then say like, Hey, we're starting the new school year. Here are some things that you can do to get your child ready. Um, start driving by the school, letting them know, like, this is where you're going to be going. Um, so that they're used to seeing the building, take them to the playground at school and say, this is where you're going to play, things like that. Um, And so, and then asking them, like, if you have any questions, please reach out to me at any time, I will answer it. Um, Because it's, I need to know what's on their mind. And, you know, they, they know what I communicate with them, what's going on at school. So, it's a two-way street in that sense. And so if there really is a question or a concern, trying to establish that so that they can, we can help each other in that sense. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I like so many of these things, I feel like I've, yeah, you just, you just shed a lot of light on the process. You've shed a lot of light on like what actually goes on and, and the time it actually takes and the investment that it really is, you know, just the investment. And I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about that, like, because a lot of, a lot of our listeners too, like, you know, maybe have thought about teaching or maybe have thought about pursuing something in education and, um, you know, having this kind of like deep dive or like this transparent, like conversation about like what it actually takes and what you've actually gone through, I think is, is very just enlightening, but if for someone that wants to do that, right. And I know there are a lot of things that you couldn't have predicted, um, throughout your, the course of your tenure as a teacher, but like, 
what advice would you give to somebody that's even considering, but also like, you know, that wants to do this, but doesn't know that they can, they can do it now, given the new circumstances that you, you operate under and, and just the changes because now education is just in such a fluid state, you know, what is your advice for people that are thinking about that? I would say if you're thinking about it, I think you got to know yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like I think for, for myself personally, and I think I want to, and I want to say this for like, for a few of the friends that I have that are teachers, they know every single one of them have said, like, I've known from a young age that I've wanted to work with kids. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a common theme amongst um, educators. Is yeah. that like, if, if, if you're going to do this, know that this is what you really want to do. Um, and you're not doing it for the pay or anything like that. You're doing it because you love kids. Because we, we often hear, right? Like teachers don't get paid enough. Teachers don't get paid enough. Mm-hmm. And then they end up leaving the profession because not only are they not getting paid enough, they're also spending their own money on resources yeah. um, for their classroom. And so... I think like, if you really think about it, you're not doing it for that. You're doing it because you want to make an impact mm. on a child's life yeah. um, and make sure that they have someone to connect with throughout their time with you that year, because you could be the one thing that could change their world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure both of you, like, if I were to ask you, like, Think back to your education. Can you pinpoint one teacher that like really made an impact that you still remember to this day? Oh yeah, e- easily. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, shout out, right? shout yeah. out, shout out, Miss Padilla, my senior <laughs> teacher back in elementary school. <laughs> I mean, like all the other teachers, man. And that's why, like, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but like, you talk about pay, but it's like, yes, yeah. there's there's so much more because I mean, what I mean, what you've just explained as far as you're building the foundation for these children, man. Not just the education, but like. It's like social things, like, like everything that you should learn from just like real life situations until you're an adult is what you learn in school, man. You know what yeah. I mean? I know, like I said, yeah. I'm preaching the choir here because I know exactly <laughs> all the boring stuff that you do and what you guys deserve. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I, I do, I mean, like you, you talked about the challenges that, you know, you face as a teacher. You talk about, a, you gave advice like David had asked. I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us about the rewarding factors for those who are on the fence if they should pursue teaching or like, I think I want to be a teacher. I like kids, you know, like I think I have these skills, you know, I like this advice, but yeah. like, what are the remor- rewarding moments and what, what keeps you going? I mean, 10 years strong. So. So it's, it's funny that you said like 10 years strong, there's a five-year burnout rate for, for, um, wow. for special education teachers. Wow. There's a five-year burnout rate. Um, and so I have surpassed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, it's, for me, and I don't see myself like leaving the classroom anytime soon. And so I think the most rewarding thing for me is just seeing the progress the kids make. Um, I can tell you, like, if you give me all my kids in a list, I can tell you what they look like in the beginning of the year and what they look like at the end of the year. Um, and I, and that is like so exciting to share with parents, especially my kids who are, um, who are with special needs because that, they're starting at a disadvantage already. Mm. Um, and we want to catch them up. Like, right. That's, that's what I tell every parent. We want them to be where they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that I think is the most rewarding is like working with, I love seeing the growth that my gen ed kids make, but it's my, my special ed kids that I really like just kind of keep me going despite how physically and mentally exhausting a day can be. Like my, my ears go home ringing because they were loud or they were crying for two and a half hours or someone pulled my hair or, you know, bit me. Like those, that's my daily, like that's a, that, that's a daily thing or like a weekly occurrence. Um, or we had dirty diapers all two and a half hours long, you know, like that's, that's my day. But once we start getting that kid potty trained, holy cow, like that's amazing. Look at what we did as a team. Um, once I get kids who start being non, who are, who start out being nonverbal or they're using like a communication device to talk to me. So an iPad. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, we're using two to three word phrases saying, I want goldfish, you know? And so that's like, the growth that they make in that time can honestly bring me to tears with how much like I'm giving a parent in that sense, like parents of pride and said, you've given us so much in that sense. And I, and I tell them, I go, you have no idea what your child has done for me because that alone is just like so amazing. Um, Cause they're resilient. They're resilient. Yes. They, mm-hmm. they are amazing. So <laughs> Dude, that's uh, like, and I just want, and I have to hit on this again, just, but like, just the passion with which you speak mm-hmm. about your profession. It's like, it's infectious. Um, that, honestly, that's probably like <laughs> the best way that I can describe it. It's infectious. And it just like makes like, you know, I'm not a teacher, but like, I feel that. And I just like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like, damn, like, that's so good. It just feels <laughs> so good, you know, to like, to know that, like, you know, that, that just you have that and like yeah it's like we we always say this to like people it's like just find that find it you know because yeah. and that and, and and it's like i don't know what it looks like that's what it looks like you know that's mm-hmm. what it looks like yeah and you talk about and i love that you talk about just like you know being able to see like your students goals hit hit goals you know but like mm-hmm. like what are your goals like what's mm. what's like you know <laughs> what is it for you right like you've you've walked yeah. this you've walked this 10-year road you know and then like you know you like you said you're not going to be leaving the classroom anytime soon which i 100% agree with you know you, <laughs> you should not be leaving the classroom anytime soon but like what is that what does that look like another 10 years down that road you know like for you yeah. like what is what are the things that you want to hit um so remember how i said like i i love the learning process i've always contemplated like going back to school for more um what can I do more so and it's it's I think at the end of the year actually my administrators asked us that question like what's what's your goal for next year um and currently we're in the process of like kind of restructuring how we do things in the building in terms of collaborations with our team team members or grade level teams and so it's um we're implementing like this professional learning community type of environment where we're really collaborating with each other on how to teach what to teach what to do when a student has mastered a skill and beyond and so um for me professionally like right now it's getting a better understanding of that process um and how to apply that process and to make my kids make the progress that they need to do mm-hmm. right because we have every kid that goes on to kindergarten we want them to have a solid foundation in letters or numbers or colors and shapes so that they can hit the ground running and they don't have to go back to those 
pre-readiness skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one goal. Another goal is to just continue to learn more about my kids who have special needs. Um, you know, I've seen kind of like a shift that I'm starting to see more kids on the autism spectrum where um, it's becoming more prevalent. And so I want to know more about it. Like, I just want to know more about what it is that it takes to get them to where they need to be. Um, so what, if that's strategies or um, curriculum, how to best address that. Um, so looking to more, more training in that sense for that specific demographic. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I think after talking to you, I'm glad that we have teachers like you yes, who are taking I'm care serious. of our kids. Seriously. You know what I, mean? I don't have kids yet, but like <laughs> I know that the kids of this country, you know what I mean? Like in the future yeah. of this country is, is in good hands with teachers like you. Um, and obviously we want to give you the opportunity if anybody wants to learn more, if anybody wants to follow the same path or considering becoming a teacher, if they want to reach out to you, if you want to share maybe a way to get connected with you. Yeah, sure. If you ever have any questions, um, reach out via email. Um, David and Chris, I think I can share my email with you and then look forward to anyone that asks. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) 